Would you pray with me? God of turning, of overturning, God of the small, the subtle, the unimportant, God of the vague, the dark, the ambiguous, open our hearts to your coming. Open our eyes to the little signs our ears to the soft murmurs. Slow us down to listen and hear. Keep us low to look and see. Awaken us to the wounds that are openings, the weaknesses that are empty mangers. Wake us from the stupor of busyness, the days of desire, to witness your drawing near, to behold your presence, even in this ordinary moment, this feeble prayer, these beating hearts. Amen. I can imagine Mary and Joseph praying prayers like this in their amazement or bafflement, maybe, at what was happening to them. Their amazement at what was happening to them as a result of their willingness to open their lives to what God was doing. This choice to trust that God was up to something good. I imagine they may have prayed even more desperately than this in their awareness that they were in over their heads. I imagine them realizing just how very unprepared they felt for the call of God in their lives. As the scene opens today, as we saw, these faithful Jewish parents are bringing their 33-day-old son, Jesus, not six months like Oliver, but 33 days old, into the temple, which was just according to God's instruction in Torah, that every firstborn male was to be presented to the Lord, along with a purification offering. And here Luke is making a point of noting their poverty. The law provided options so that both rich and poor would be able to fulfill this command. And those who couldn't afford a larger animal to sacrifice could simply bring these bird, some of these birds that are mentioned here, either a pair of turtle doves or a, a couple of pigeons. And if you'd like to fact check that, it's from Leviticus 12.8. And here, simply coming to fulfill that command, they meet Simeon and Anna, who tell them amazing and heavy things about their child. What is it that Simeon and Anna are able to see that other bystanders throughout this busy temple court are not, that no one else noticed? How is it that their vision has been illuminated by hundreds or thousands of yeses to God and God's spirit? 
In the Hebrew understanding, both Simeon and Anna would be prophets, uh, carrying the role of prophet in this passage, people the Spirit rests upon. And prophets are often called seers, right? People of vision. People who are able to see life and see God in ways that help open the eyes of people around them. And prophets' ways of seeing can give clearer vision, put a finer point on the hope that people have carried, hope that maybe had become cloudy or murky. I don't know if you've experienced that, when your hope becomes more cloudy. And prophets can open us up to new possibilities or, or even open us to God in a new way. In fact, in this light, our chestnut housing pioneers among us could be called seers or prophets, envisioning what could be, imagining what good God is creating for new life in the shell of the old. If you don't already have your Bibles open, turn to Luke chapter 2. And it's right in the middle of the chapter that we pick up this story. There's much to see here. In fact, there is lots of seeing in this section of Luke. I don't know if you, if you notice that, but even the description of Simeon in verse 25, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was expectantly keeping watch. And in the following verse, through the Spirit, God had revealed to him that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then when he comes into the temple and he encounters the parents and the child and sweeps up Jesus in his arms, in his praise to God, he says, my own eyes have seen your salvation, O oh God. The salvation you've prepared for all people. And let's pause right there and notice that this, this is a borrowing from the prophet Isaiah, who in many places, um, including uh, chapter 40, which we heard from Annabelle during Advent, all flesh will see the salvation of God. All people will see it. All the ends of the earth. Luke is emphasizing God's action to save and to heal all people. And the ways that Jesus will expose the thoughts of all who oppose or contradict him. But we'll get to that piece in a moment. How did Simeon know? I mean, how did he see, recognize that this was God's anointed one? How had he allowed his sight to be refined by the Spirit, to enable him to see so clearly that God's liberation was coming to his people in the form of this infant? Even, even the detail of the Holy Spirit resting on him requires a yes. Yes to what the Spirit would do in and through him. Just as Mary considered her bold and trusting yes, 
this yes that was needed before the Spirit came to bring new divine life within her. So that yes to open even just to this movement of the Spirit. And he was looking. He was waiting. He was expecting. What would it take for us to have our eyes opened and cleared and to be looking in that way? It's Simeon's and Anna's ability to see more than the average observer that also allowed them to break into such exuberant praise. They here are adding their own yes to God's yes in Jesus. And, and this is after years upon years. The energy of the praise that, that Simeon offers shows that this was real for them. This was what they'd been waiting for. And they had to have a clarity of vision to see it, to be able to praise God so joyfully and with such great hope for God's liberation of their people. And such abundant life that pours out of God is reason for all of creation, as we heard in the psalm, to burst into singing. But as we suspect, this, for Simeon and Anna, this is, this is just the latest yes for them in a series, a long, long series of yeses to God. They had been saying yes to God for decades. Decades in which, as we heard, the people languished. The people suffered under the Roman oppression. And yet, those yeses that built years upon years had an effect on their seeing and their ability to recognize God's saving and healing action when it appeared at long last. And right alongside their joyful, joyful praise is this unflinching clarity that this child, this Messiah, this anointed one, would create tension. Verse 34, would provoke opposition. One scholar has it, would provoke contradiction. That Jesus' way of being in the world, Jesus' way of teaching and acting among the people would provoke people to contradict him, as they did. But Luke especially has this theme, you'll notice as you read further, but People's thoughts revealed that Jesus knows that they're, they're thinking these negative thoughts toward him. And this image of the rising and falling of many echoes Mary's song. Again, we have this God breaking in with upending and unsettling and overturning and setting things right and saying a huge yes to fullness of life, especially for all who have been cut off or shut out from it. And this sign that provokes opposition asks us also to consider our own opposition. God's, I don't know if this happens to you, but God's ways with us often provoke our opposition too. 
and in company with the psalmist, our complaint. All people will see the salvation of God. All people haven't seen the salvation of God. Even in the time of, of the spreading of the gospel, the people in, who were celebrating this had to recognize that all of, the, all of God's people, all of the chosen people, did not recognize, did not see what they were seeing. And so that tension remains and lingers with us. New creation is not magic. Let us be clear that it's not up to us either to accomplish it. But we notice as we go along in faith that our participation in God's new creation is often painful. To willingly participate in transformation, especially in our own transformation, means changes that we don't often want to face, things that can be pretty frightening, because God's ways of nudging us toward wholeness are usually not how we would have preferred to be nudged. Mary and Joseph were probably not feeling great after, after hearing a sword will pierce your soul too. I'm not sure how excited they were to continue offering their yes to God in that moment. But this is part of the invitation. This is bound up together with the praise and the joy of Christmas. How can we also live with some openness to pain, which Mary and Joseph had to if they were going to keep saying yes? Obviously, we don't go looking for suffering. We certainly don't need to. But like Anna and Simeon, we recognize that joy and hope and praise lived right next to opposition. Even our own heart's resistance to God's ways. And hope and praise live alongside the realities of humanity's no's, the many no's, to living justly and lightly on the earth, no's to people we don't understand, no's that our leaders say to preventing violence and keeping vulnerable people vulnerable people away from harm. As I think you know well, our yeses always come with the risk of a sword piercing our own hearts because we've kept them open. You've probably noticed that it's pretty challenging and maybe impossible to say yes to love of any kind if your heart is closed and barricaded against pain. And so often God seems to be very quiet in approaching our hearts and asking for the yes. And as Mary and Joseph and so many others after them and before them learned, one yes leads to another And likewise, after you've said a few initial no's to injustice, we become sensitized and we find it harder to look the other way. So friends, would you join me in praying for eyes like Anna and Simeon's? Eyes to see God's saving, healing action, 
coming even and especially in places we overlook. Coming in a couple who can't afford any more than a couple of pigeons or turtle doves to bring before God. Coming in their month-old child. Coming in the people and things that reveal to you your own negative thoughts, the opposition that you thought you were keeping hidden. How is the Spirit leading us to live with eyes open to see reasons for praise, even in the face of opposition to God's realm of well-being and justice? And will we be able to join all of creation in praising God, this God who brings freedom, who raises the lowly and overthrows tyrants, this God who is always, even in this moment, recreating. The Spirit is empowering our yes, our yes to God's new creation, this new within the old, certainly not without birth pains, but with courage and hope that God is supplying. May we have eyes to see and hearts to receive this consoling and disruptive Messiah, this Christ. Amen.